When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to episode five of Hockey Unfiltered with Ken Campbell. I am the sidekick, Dylan Waugh. I am the Radar O'Reilly to Ken's Colonel Potter. I guess if you get that reference, you're probably not listening to a podcast. We got a huge show today. We're talking about the Montreal Canadiens signed a new GM, Akeem Aliyu. We're going to talk about Ken's fond thoughts about the All-Star Game. Check us out. Like, review, subscribe, all that great stuff. If you're on YouTube, Hi. Ken, how's tricks? Not bad. I got the wordle on the third row today. <laughs> Weren't you one of the ones complaining about people tweeting their wordle? Oh, yeah. And oh, now yeah, you're putting it on that, a podcast. No, I'm just saying it. I'm not putting it out there. Like, <laughs> I, I I can't believe people like actually said like the first couple of times it was like, what the heck is this? Yeah. Like, I don't care how yeah. you did it, but I'm really happy that it like there was one my wife and I did and it was proxy and we got it on the third line. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm basically I'm saying I'm, well, you know, when it comes to words, like Steve Martin said, some people, you know, have a way with words and others not, not have way, I guess. <laughs> there was uh <laughs> similarly, that's actually a joke. And I wonder if Steve Martin got it from here. That's a joke from Hee Haw. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, oh man. What's his name? Roy. Roy Jones. No, 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 no guy, not Roy uh, Jones. The um, guy, uh, Roy Clark. Roy Clark, yeah. Roy Clark, fantastic, most underrated musician of all time. Yeah, let's, not, just, go, let's not go too far into this, this rabbit no hole. No problem. Okay? Roy Clark yeah. said, <laughs> said about one of the other cast members, sometimes he has a way with words and sometimes words have a way with him. Nice. Not bad. <laughs> I thought that was good. Um, so if you're checking us out on <clears throat> YouTube... Hello, we can see you. Please subscribe and comment. That's always great stuff. If you're checking us out on any other uh, podcasting platform, subscribe and comment is great stuff. This is all the the, the housekeeping that we've got to do, right? Right. And if you want the, the, the podcast sent directly to your inbox, please subscribe to Hockey Unfiltered, the substack, kencampbell.substack.com. And of course, Ken's writing and all the rest of it, you're going to want a paid subscription, to be honest. But start free. Start right? free. Start free. The podcast is is always free. First hit is free. Podcast is, no, the podcast is always free, but there is, there's more stuff you have to pay for, but there's, there's some free stuff on there as well. Yeah. But yeah. we're, we're aiming to get you to get off your wallets <laughs> without question. <laughs> That's another. Support he- the work. That, that's another hee-haw joke. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah. How do you know about hee-haw? I don't know. I, I'm a I'm a big uh, bluegrass fan. Did you watch Lawrence Welk when you were a kid too? No, or what? No. Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> no, some Bonanza though. 
Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, we're we're yeah we're, we're losing. Yeah, people. Okay. I can hear people turning it off as okay. we speak. So, well, listen. I love the good segues. So, <laughs> speaking of going way off track, right? Uh, why don't we just start off with Leon Dreisaitl? Oh, <laughs> okay. Boom. Yeah, bow. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm too pissy to talk about him. <laughs> Okay. Um, I'm a member of the media, obviously. I really hate it when media guys make themselves the story and make it out like we have such a difficult job because I've been in this business for more than 30 years and I don't feel like I've ever worked a day in my life. Mm. Uh, the people in hockey that I deal with, that I've dealt with in the past, players, coaches, managers, administrators, everybody for the most part, are wonderful human beings who are very, very uh, eager and willing to deal with people. And uh, I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, Jim Matheson is a Hall of Fame writer, yeah, as he should be. Mm-hmm. He's one of the best. He's a pro's pro. He's been at it for a million years. He, uh, he, he covered the Oilers when they were great, and then he's covered them in the last couple of decades when they've been far less than that. Um, I guess what I would say about that exchange between Leanne Dreisaitl and Jim Matheson yesterday is, and and calling it as an unbiased observer, mm-hmm. because, I mean, I am, I do have the bias towards the media guy, right. but calling it as an unbiased observer, I don't think either Jim Matheson or Leanne Dreisaitl distinguished himself particularly well yesterday. Um, there's obviously got to be a backstory to it. Yeah. Um, and part of the problem is that, like, there was a time in Long Island where Darcy Tucker and I went basically toe to toe, and and it, and it actually started out a lot like this one. Yeah, where he was just giving me stupid answers, and I was like, I basically said, "What's wrong with you?" Yeah, you know, I don't think I said, "Why are you so pissy?" But I said, "Like, what? What's up? You're." behind yeah you know and he got into it with me as to exactly why he was angry with me we went toe to toe um no cameras were there to catch it the whole world didn't see it Mm -hmm. there were a couple of other writers around when it happened and by the end we were both laughing about it and we had we had patched up our difference right there and then yeah and it was it was done. It was over. Yeah, it was over. It was a good story. Mike Zeisberger loves to tell it all the time because he was one of the writers <laughs> that was there. Yeah, uh, a great writer for NHL.com, Mike Zeisberger. Um, but that's the problem, right? Like, is something like this happens, and you know, we don't have that right now. For the last two years, we haven't had that forum with the players. Yeah, you know, there was a time, and there has been a time, and I, I don't think it's like this now. In fact, I know it's not like this now. But when I covered the Leafs for the Toronto Star back in the days when Mastodons roamed the earth, um, there was there we you could sit like I could sit and talk to Demetrius Gavich right. about his kids, yeah. and I was in my thirties. I had young kids myself. Like Glenn Healy and I had kids the same age, yeah. and and so we'd talk about our kids. We'd talk about you know our lives. We'd we'd kibitz. We'd you know and and then you get around to talking about hockey yeah. and 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 at that time if if somebody had a problem with something that I had written, um, they'd come to me and say you're full of shit. You yeah. know, I remember one time talking to Gary Roberts and he said, "I'm sorry, Ken, your questions are just stupid and I'm not going to answer them." <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, that's that's fair. I get it. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I don't yeah. agree with you, but anyways, you know, I mean that they don't have that anymore." 
Mm-hmm. You know, they trot these guys out twice a week. You know, I mean, Leon Dreisaitl's, you know, got to be in a pretty bad place right now as far as, you know, how yeah. he feels about things are going. So it's not a good, it's a kind of a toxic brew to start with. Um, and then and then Jim tries to get the answer and he doesn't get the answer he wants. And then it turns into a bit of an FU contest. And like I said, I don't think either guy particularly distinguished himself. Yeah. The way I see this unfolding is this is going to be a story for about another 24 hours and then it's going to go away. I suspect if there hasn't already been, there's going to be a communication between these two guys and yeah. they're going to they're going to work it out and we're going to move on. Well, that's why you got to get it in on the podcast now because it'll be right. 24 hours and then the story goes away. I kind of agree with you. Like our, our news cycle really blows things out of proportion. The reality is, is that people are going to like, there's always going to be a certain amount of friction between media and players. If there wasn't, then I don't think that they're doing their jobs right. Right. And right. it just, it keeps on reminding me of the, uh, of the Jacques Plante quote. How would you feel if every time you screwed up at your job, a yeah, red light yeah. went on, on yeah. 10,000 people booed you. Yeah. Yeah. And so Matheson, Matheson was not caught on his best day and he did not ask his best questions. It happens. Well, he asked a good question, but he didn't get the answer he wanted. And then things right. well, and deteriorated and, from there. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have no problem with him asking tough questions like that. That's not yeah. a big deal. And, and, you know, I mean, you're right. I mean, when Pat Quinn coached the Toronto Maple Leafs, I remember Pat Quinn in the fondest of ways. He of was course. a wonderful human being, a great man. Uh, I, I learned a ton about the game covering the key, the team that he coached in Toronto. Um, but there were days when he would just go after us like there was no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember there was one time when I was in a press conference and I asked him something and he said, well, what, why should I answer your question? You're just going to write what you want anyways. <laughs> like in front of all my peers and everybody like yeah. tried to belittle me like that. Yeah. And I just came back and I said, look, Pat, I'll make you a deal. The day you start signing my paychecks is the day I'll start writing what you want me to write. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it it happens. It yeah. happens. And, you know, I, like I said, I think this will, this will have a very short shelf life. Yeah. And, and like I said, if there hasn't already been, there probably will be some communication between these two guys and everybody's just going to move on. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. Uh, should we move on? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think so. Montreal Canadiens. Vaguely aware of them. You're vaguely aware of them. Yes, they are a team that plays in a court of law. Right. Yes. <laughs> they're en route to possibly their worst season ever in franchise history. Oh, they're going to. They're going to. They're going to hit it. Yeah. By, by a fairly significant margin. Yeah. And they bring in a new GM. Right. Kent Hughes. Yep. Who? And who? And who? And who? I, I think that because they missed out on drafting any of Hughes, they thought, well, we can hire one. Yeah, not the same family, but... I, I know, but yeah. it's, you know... like. But he actually does have a son named Jack who's up I, for the draft yes, this year. <laughs> I do know that. But he's projected like seventh or something like that. Wow, well, he's seventh on Central's North America list. Right. So they separate North America and Europe. So there's... There's still a couple of guys from Europe, probably, and I don't think they put goalies in. So when when it's all said and done, he's probably outside of the top ten. So the the Habs are not even going to be close to 
drafting this guy. So, but Montreal's a long, distinguished history of using third and second overall draft picks at guys that are not supposed to be in the top ten. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose that's under the, the last uh, administration. The last administration. Yeah. Yes. So, um, yeah, they, yeah. Kent who? Kent who? Well, Kent Hughes, I think is a is a really great choice. Um, he's, he's really simpatico with Jeff Gordon. Yeah. I mean, you have to, you have to trust the person with whom you're working and there's a, there's a real trust and familiarity between these two guys. Yeah. And I mean, Kent Hughes has been in the game for 30 years. Yeah. For more than 30 years. He's, he played it at a, at a fairly decently high level. Mm-hmm. I mean, division three isn't division one, but it's a lot further than almost everybody else gets. Yeah, exactly. He was a star at Division Three. Yeah. He he got his law degree from Boston College, became an agent, has been an agent in Boston for the past twenty-five years, probably, I want to say. Yeah. Um, you know, has had some of the biggest stars in the game. Yeah. Vinny LeCave was his client. You know, Patrice Bergeron did the Darnell Dur- Darnell Nurse deal this past summer. Yeah. Um, you know, Chris, Chris Latang. Latang. Yeah. He's he's got he's had some heavy, heavy hitters. He's got a good relationship with a lot of GMs in this league. Mm-hmm. He knows the game and he knows the business. People are talking about how well he knows the CBA. I, I, I'm not sure that's a big deal. Like everybody knows the CBA now. <laughs> like yeah. everybody, like that's a given. It's yeah. like work hard. It's like a guy works hard. He plays in the NHL. Of course he works hard. Yeah. You know, a guy's a, a guy's a, 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 an administrator and a management level of an NHL team. Of course he knows the CBA inside out. Yeah. That's what he has to know. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of guys know the CBA that still doesn't stop them from making really, really dumb decisions. Yeah. Like Mark Bergeron knows the CBA inside out. I can guarantee you. Yeah. Um, that didn't stop him from putting the Canadians into salary cap. Hell. Yeah. Right. Um, so that like you're going to be judged on how you build the team and your vision and all those other things. Yeah. And I, I I think Kent Hughes is a, is a really good choice. I think he brings a level-headed measured approach to a situation that needs that now more than ever. Yeah. You know, this is a historically bad team. Like historically bad. Like it's the worst ever probably the worst team they will have ever had in a 100 and 10, 12 years, yeah. whatever it is now, yeah. 114 years. Yeah. Man. The, uh, Mark Dumont on Twitter referred to the new Montreal Canadiens head office as the triumvirate, which I thought was a funny expression. Of course, that was before the emperor in Rome. They had the triumvirate of three people that ruled and Pompey right. and Caesar and one other loser was part of that. But I thought it, it was a funny, it was a funny uh, reference, but I didn't feel like it was apt in the sense that. Well, what's the third part of it? I guess it would be Jeff Molson. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah he's still around. I guess. Yeah, he's still <laughs> yeah, owns the yeah, thing, right? Yeah, yeah. But my, but my point is that I didn't think that it was very apt because I thought like, and, um, the thing that seems so incredible about this, and you expanded on it in your writing, is the Eagles get checked at the door. You would hope this is not going to be yeah. a a, yeah. a for, forces pushing against each other like a a uh, a social Darwinism kind of experiment. Right. This is this is people right. that are truly pulling together for a common goal. Right. Exactly. And you know there was an agent who told me you know a lot of agents throw shit at the wall, but you know Ken Hughes was not a shit at the wall kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. You know he really did his research. He was very pa- you know competitive and passionate, but but was able to separate 
negotiations from emotion, right? Yeah. And so he's not the kind of guy that's going to get into a big public, you know, dis- display in the media when I got, when he's negotiating a guy's contract. So you would assume he's going to bring that to the other side of the table as well. And Jeff Gordon's the same way, you know, yeah. they're going to go about their business. They're going to do it quietly. They're going to do it professionally and they're going to see where it goes. Yeah. Um, for me, it's really interesting here what the Montreal Canadiens and, and speaking of segues, uh, what's their first order of business, right? Jeff Gordon and Kent Hughes, what do they have to do, right? What do they have to do first? Well, okay. I mean, they're going to trade Ben, ben Sherratt yeah. at the trade deadline. They're going to do whatever they do at the trade deadline. They're going to fire Dominic Ducharme either sometime this season or in the off season. Yeah. I mean, that's all, that's all a given. That's, you know, we know those things are going to happen. They're going to get what they get for Ben Sherratt. I don't think it's going to be as good as what everybody is, thinks it's going to be. Yeah. Cause it's, it's not <laughs> McDavid one for one. No, no. And, and you know, I mean, yeah. So they're going to get whatever <laughs> they get for him and they're going to move on and yeah. whatever. To me, right now, the Montreal Canadiens are at a crossroads like they've never been at in franchise history. Yeah. And so what Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon and to, I suppose, another extent, Jeff Molson have to decide is what's our long-term vision for this franchise? How are we going to approach this? And so do they say, okay, this year was a write-off. Nobody thought we'd be this bad this year. We weren't supposed to be this bad this year. We're not this bad. Let's go on the assumption that we're going to be able to build this thing back up fairly quickly and we're going to be at least decent. Mm -hmm. That's one, okay? The other school of thought is, do we we strip it down to the the wood? Yeah. You know? And- and and it's not as clear cut as you might think. Okay. No, it's not. So this year they're gonna get they're gonna they they may be the wor- the the team the league's worst team. Okay. So you have a you only have a twenty five for five percent chance of winning the lottery. Yeah. So so let's say they are the worst team. Let's say they get the first overall pick. You know they pick Shane Wright. Okay. Uh, or by the end of the year, I don't know that it's not going to be like a guy like Carter Savoie. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I mean, this is a kid that's leading the Western League in scoring with like 53 points. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's, I don't think it's going to be as clear cut a decision as you think. So, okay, so you do that. Now is where the rubber hits the road. Right. It, next year. What do you do next year? Mm-hmm. And specifically, do you tank? Right. Right. Okay. Because next year, there are three players available. Yeah. One of them is Connor Bedard, who we mm-hmm. had on the show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. One of those is Metve Mitchkov. Yeah. The Russian kid. The third is a kid who's playing in Chicago, uh, in the USHL by the name of Adam Fantilli. And he's huge. And he's going to Michigan next year. And he's going to be a star. Mm-hmm. You finish last overall, no matter what happens in the lottery, you are guaranteed to get one of those players. Right. Right? In, tw- in the 2023 draft. Yeah. So what do you do? What do you do? Do you, do, you, do, you, do you burn it to the ground? Yeah. And if you do, see, that the, if you go that route, there's all kinds of decisions that come out of that. First mm-hmm. of all, your coaching decision. Yeah. Like, you're not going to go out and get 
a big time guy. If it's just a placeholder who's there to see you through a tank or a, a bunch of bad years. Right. Mm-hmm. So then, okay. So we do decide we're going to embrace that. Does Brendan Gallagher want to go through that? Does Jeff Petrie want to go through that? Does Tyler Toffoli want to go through that? Not a chance. Do they? I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying they do or they don't, but you got to, you got to address that question. And if they don't, then you're faced with the, with the prospect do we start moving those guys out of here? And they, and, they and we re- and we really and we really just take it down to the bone. Yeah. And we tank and we get a bunch of good young players and good young prospects and picks. But when you make that decision, you have to realize that it's a five to eight year rebuilding period. It's Correct. not a two year rebuilding period. It's not, you know, it's five to eight years before you're in the position to start competing for a Stanley Cup. Will fans in Montreal g- go for that? I think if if it's if it's communicated to them in the right way and there's an end game and there's a plan and that's not deviated from, I think people in Montreal are smart enough to know. Yeah. yeah, let's put up with the let's put up with the bad years for a couple of years because we know in four or five years we are gonna have a Stanley Cup contending team. Yeah. You know? But so there's all kinds of and so for me, the biggest decision that Jeff Moles that, that Jeff uh Gordon, Gordon yeah. and 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 Kent Hughes have to make is where are we going with this? Yeah. Where are we going with this? The other stuff is all like, yeah, I mean, you're going to fire Dominic Ducharme. We all know that. Yeah, it's we just all when. know that. It's just a matter of when. Yeah. Do you do it now? Do you do it after the season? It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, the the, the trades don't matter. Like the, the Ben Sherratt trade doesn't, in the grand scheme of things, it's yeah, going to get, gonna get them a couple of assets back. That's it. Whatever, well, yeah. First rounder, I, I guess. A late first round pick yeah, or I something. I guess, maybe, you know? maybe. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's a guy that is four year, three, four years away, two, three years away from playing at best, anyways. Yeah. At best, may never play. So, the, the to me, the biggest decision and the most important decision and the most vital decision and the, and the one that's going to that's gonna be the one that charts the course here is what these guys decide they're going to do with this franchise long term. There's so much internal evaluation that's going to have to take place. They, You've got to figure out what you've got with Nick Suzuki. We know that he's a top six center. Is yeah. he yeah. a top line center? Well, they're, they're paying him like one. He's going to have to be. Well, but this is, is he Patrice Bergeron? You hope. You right. Because there were times when I watched that kid play and I went, whoa. Yeah. He looks just like him. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Yeah. And Cole Caulfield and Alexander Romanov. And so if you say that that's your core, right, you've got to then figure out, is that an elite core or do we need to tank and get more? Because oh, I, I think, I think you do. I don't, I don't know that those three guys are the three guys that can pull you out of this, especially when you're young and you start losing all the time and it gets you down. And, and that's, that's another, that's another that's another thing they have to take into account here yeah. is, okay, you embrace the tank. Okay, that's all well and good. But what does it do to the guys you have, right? Yeah. You know, and what kind of culture does it create? You know, I I, I would argue that the, that the Buffalo Sabres are still... Really? Are, are still a, affected by that losing culture they created yeah. when they tanked to get either Connor McDavid or Jack Eichel. Yeah. I was at a game that year. Arizona came in. 
And it went to overtime and Arizona scored in overtime and that place went bonkers. Yeah. The, the, the fans went crazy. They were so <laughs> it's thrilled. It's got to be hard. And, and that's tough. Yeah, that's got to be That's hard. really tough. So it's not a decision you can take lightly. Yeah. It's not a decision you can just, like, I, I hear these, you know, I see these bloggers or, you know, people on Twitter or whatever. Like, it's like, it's, this isn't fantasy hockey, guys. Yeah. This is real. Yeah, yeah. This is real with real people, real pros, real money, real everything. Yeah. So you can't just say, oh, yeah, oh, well, let's tank. Let's tank, get a bunch of good picks. That is one thing you can do. Yeah. But there's a whole other bunch of side effects that come with that. Yeah. That might not be the best thing ever. So that, to me, that's that's where it starts, ends, begins, and is going to be the most important decision that they make. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not saying that uh, that, that core is a Stanley cup core, but that does make the difference between do we want to be competitive and are we okay with mid first round picks and try to have some competitiveness right. in the team? Right. Or do we need to really tank and make sure that we get the best picks available every time? Yeah. Or, or are we really this bad? Did yeah. we, did we wildly overachieve last year? Yeah. And are, are we really this bad? I probably not. I mean, say what you want about Kerry price, but I assume he makes them better. Jake yeah. Allen being being available a little more makes them better. Yeah, you know. Um, so it's yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting to see where these guys go, and their legacy is going to be, in my opinion, their legacy is going to be determined in the next couple of months. Yeah. Uh, before we get on the off of the Montreal Canadian subject, uh, going back to your article on Hockey Unfiltered, sign up at kencampbell.substack.com. <laughs> but job. you wrote an you wrote an article and of course if you want to a lot of what we talk about is in these articles and and it's expanded upon there um but one thing that really stuck out to me i'm going to mispronounce his name but you said that there was a huge amount such a huge amount of trust between uh kent hughes and anton thune thun thun yeah i knew i was gonna get it wrong <laughs> you said that there was such a huge amount of trust between kent hughes and anton thun that they never had an ink and paper agreement they, for those listening and haven't read the article, they were the two uh, player agents that came together to create the agency. Yeah, they created M5 Sports. Like, That's right. Like yeah. Kent Hughes had Impact Hockey. Anton Thun had uh, AKT Sports. Mm -hmm. And they mer merged together in, I think, 2006 to form M5 Sports. Then they were bought out by Cortex Management, which is owned by the saputo family the cheese barons right you know so 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 they were bought out so then they were all together with with the guys like darren ferris and there were yeah. some other some other people around there as well uh paul capizano and and uh dylan lip trap a few other guys um who represents logan mayu but that's that's another <laughs> conversation um yeah, I'm so, anyway, so sick so of relitigating the mayu <laughs> discussion like yeah, not, not like, even just us just but like you can't even like you can't even turn on Twitter anymore without yeah. without a, a new relitigation and and a new yeah. argument about it. I'm just like yeah, well, I'm just tired of it. Get used to it. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so Kent and and Anton were together starting, I think, in 2006, 2007, something like that, and they formed this agency together. But but it was basically, hey, you're in Boston, I'm in Toronto. I'll keep you apprised of what I'm doing here. You keep me apprised of what you're doing there. We'll keep recruiting people, and at the end of the year, we'll tally up. What, all the money we made and we'll split it and, <laughs> and we'll trust each other to, to be honest. Yeah. And so when you have that level of trust, I think it speaks to, um, a person's integrity. 
Yeah. You know, so that's what, that's what you're getting. I'm so glad that you said that it speaks to a person's integrity because that level of trust is exactly what we have here. You know, no ink and paper agreement. Oh, wait, I just thought. The, on, the, only, <laughs> the only difference is that we don't have hundreds of millions of dollars to split up at the end of the day, but that's coming. Uh, is it? <laughs> hey, everybody, it's the moment we've all been waiting for, the NHL All-Star Game. No, wait a minute. The NFL playoffs are here. And with my bookie, you can take home your biggest wins of the season thanks to their double deposit bonus. It's easy, actually. Sign up with my bookie and use the promo code HockeyUnfiltered, all one word, Make your first deposit and bang, double your money instantly into your account up to $1,000. Where can you get a deal like that? Double your money. Now that you're loaded up and ready to go, it's time to place your bets with no regrets and get your wins when it matters most. Leading up to Super Bowl 56, the Buccaneers are looking good. The Packers are looking good, but will it be the Bills? Will it be the Chiefs? The field's wide open this year, so head to my bookie and back your team to go all the way this postseason. Don't miss out. Double your first deposit up to $1,000 by using the promo code HockeyUnfiltered, all one word. Head to my bookie, place your bets, and get ready for the unmatched intensity of NHL All-Star Hockey, uh, no, uh, playoff football. But seriously, folks, we do rely on sponsorship here at Hockey Unfiltered, so if you do sign up, you'll be helping yourself, and you'll be helping us. Thanks. We have, we have like, we have, Say it. we have hundreds of cents on... <laughs> That, that are riding on this. There are tens of dollars. There are tens of dollars that <laughs> it's. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Shall we move on from the Montreal Canadiens? We shall. Yeah. Earlier this week, Akeem Aliu called out the NHL for more performative BS with its mm. Carnegie initiative. Um, is it? Well, and he went on to say that if they really want to start, um, if they really want to start somewhere, then then rename the Con Smythe Trophy because Con Smythe was the executive who at one time said I would give ten thousand dollars to anyone who could make Herb Carnegie white. Yeah, and Herb Carnegie was a was a star out east, a, a star player uh, in Quebec. Yeah, in Quebec, yeah. Uh, and he was he was black. Obviously, uh, had had two other black line mates. They were amazing hockey players. Yeah. And really, you know, I mean, there's never been a color barrier in hockey, like a an official color barrier, like there was in baseball. Yeah. Um. But but you know the the sort of the it's clear that there's the, under, the underlying yeah. sort of theme is that there was an unofficial one. Yeah. Um. Because guys like Herb Carnegie never got a chance. Yeah. Um. And so there's something to that, I guess. I, I mean, I, I, it's hard to say. Like, so how do we reckon with hockey's past, right? Yeah. So you go down that rabbit hole, then you know, do you find out things about, you know, the Norrises and the Jack Adams of the world, and you know, because they were not great people sometimes Norris too. Was a noted prick, I think. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that he was he was pretty pretty well known. Well, as, there was there was a lot of guys that yeah. that you know in the past that that um, have awards named after them that probably have a bit of a checkered history as well. Does that make it, does that mean we should never do anything and change anything? No. Yeah. But I, and I think it's a conversation that's worth having. Like those yeah. were words and those were the words that people used at that time. Yeah. That was the vernacular people used at that time and nobody thought it was anything, yeah. but those were also words that contributed to the situation that existed. Yeah. So what do you do about that? Self-propelling. I, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I mean, you know, they're tearing down 
statues at Ryerson. Um, yeah. You know, for, for someone who did a ton of bad things and did some good things, you know? And, and so I, I'm not sure, but I, it's a, I, I don't know if you go, yeah, let's take Consumite's name off the trophy. Um, but I think it's a conversation you have to have. Yeah, it's funny because I, was, I, I wasn't going to talk specifically about the statues at Ryerson, but, um, the, the idea of tearing down statues and this kind of idea of like, we don't want to destroy our past, but we have to acknowledge the horrible things that people have done in the past. I don't have an answer to that, but my answer here for the con Smythe is very simple because first of all, like, you know, who cares what I have to say about it? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Middle-aged middle-class white guy speaks out on. Yeah, you know, exactly. Exactly. But, That's why I, I feel like I don't want to step too far out of my lane yeah. here because yeah, I'm, I have no idea what the struggle is. But what I'll say is to, if, if I were in any sort of position of power, which thank goodness I'm not because, you know, but what I would say to the Hockey Diversity Alliance, to Akeem Aliu, to, you know, I, is I, I would just say, is this, is this a barrier for you? And if it's a barrier and if it's a genuine barrier, yes, this is a well-known established fact. Con Smythe was a unabashed racist and kids coming up in the league have to see that and have to deal with that every day. Kids coming up from junior, from wherever, have to see that and have to have to reconcile with that every day. Then I, I don't care. I don't I, like for my for myself and and for my age. What do I care about, Con Smythe? Well, yeah, but it's also it's also symbolic, right? It's a gesture that you make that says, okay, yeah, this is where we want to start to repair the relationship. Yeah. And we're willing to go this far to do it. Con Smythe was the owner of the Toronto Maple Leafs, built Maple Leaf Gardens, built one of the biggest sports franchises in the world, you know, and did a bunch of great things. But he also did this. And we're going to take his name off the MVP of the playoffs, one of the most cherished trophies that you can ever win. Like to yeah. be named MVP of the playoffs is, is so special yeah. because it means you brought you, you brought, brought it the when best it game when it mattered the yeah. most. Yeah. And you were part of a team that won and you were a pivotal part of the team that won. Yeah. So for us to make this gesture and to change this to the Wayne Gretzky trophy or whatever it is, yeah. that's a starting point. And I can see where that would be something that could start to heal the relationship. And, yeah. and so I don't know one way or the other, but I think, like I said, I think it's a, it's a, it's a dialogue that's, that's worth having, you know? I think the same thing about the Blackhawks and, and the organizational name and right. how the organization defends themselves for their name and what I've seen people on Twitter say. And I just, everything that I've read and everything that I've seen has been the opinions of one person or two people normally white. And I just think it's just, it's, it just shouldn't be up to us. If, if you've got a full community of people, but right now we've got a, we've got an opinion of someone who is in that marginalized community. Yeah. Akeem Alou. Who's, and that's whose career, exactly what I'm getting whose career, yes. a career was arguably ended by the fact that not ended, but, but it was affected by the fact that somebody said, turn off that N word music yeah. in the dressing room. Yeah. So we've got somebody here who's saying it, yes. who's standing up and saying it. So it exactly has gravitas. It has gravitas when someone says it that when someone like that says it. Yeah. And that's exactly what I'm saying, which right. is that it it almost doesn't matter in in terms of, you know, you argue until you're blue in the face. At the end of the day, if you're gonna turn around and say, look, 
you know, I'm an indigenous person from the Chicago area and it just completely turns me off of hockey because the name is the Blackhawks. Then like, what, like, like what is sacred in the world? Like, why is the name of a sports organization sacred? It's not. It's not. It's right? not. And like, why it's is like the somebody name, said, why is somebody, wife's name I had sacred? people say, well, it's, it's, it's their team, the Washington Redskins. You know, it's their <laughs> team. Like, they should be able to call it whatever they want. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, if I ever get enough money, I'm going to start a, a team and call them the New York N-Words. Yeah. You know, that's my team. Yeah. Should, you know, I mean, yeah, come on. Perfectly fine. Yeah. You should, you should, uh, you should buy like a, like a really small, like uh, like a single A team here in Toronto. And whoever that person was, you're having a conversation <laughs> with, let's say the name is like Bill, call it like Bill's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Bill's yeah. the stupidest guy I've ever had the misfortune of speaking with. <laughs> it's my team hard, and I can call it whatever I want. Sweater, but yeah. <laughs> Okay, we've taken care of that. We've taken of, care of that. that we of, have solved the world's problems no, once have, again, Ken. We have not, but... <laughs> but uh, no. I, I, but I, I like to think that we've made people think. That's what I want to do. I want to make yeah, people think, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. And whether they agree with me or not, which they usually don't, that's okay. So, <laughs> but so let's if, keep it civil. If you were thinking in the last conversation... Get ready to turn your brains off for the new segment. We're talking about the All-Star Game. (laughs) (laughs) Ken's favorite, favorite part of hockey. Right. Yes. Okay. We're not talking about the game. We're talking about the selection process. Okay. Sure. And the quote-unquote snubs. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Okay. Like, because the game, to me, the game is like, I've been to probably the last 10 All-Star Games. I, I don't think I've even watched the last five. Right. I just, I just stopped watching them because I was there for access to the players. Anyways, I didn't yeah. care about any of this garbage that was going on. Yeah. Anyways. So you get, you get Nathan McKinnon coming out and saying it's a participation game mm-hmm. because you have to name a player from each franchise. Each yeah. And I mean, we all know that there's not a world that exists where Nick Suzuki is an all-star and Brad Marchand isn't. We we know that. We know there's no world that exists where Clayton Keller is an all-star and Nazem Kadri isn't. Correct. And by the way, let's get this out of the way first of all. Clayton Keller is not an all-star. Nick Suzuki is not an all-star. None of these guys are all-stars. You are an all-star if you are named to the first or second all-star team after the season is over. That's what an all-star is. This is just a meaningless game and and you're an all-star game participant but you're not an all-star player correct so let's 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 make that designation first of all secondly i agree with nathan mckinnon 100 <laughs> percent. like like really like the all-star game to me is what the all is the same as what the outdoor games are they're huge for the locals it's huge for the locals yeah. So like it's great for Las Vegas. They're going to be totally into it. It's going to be awesome for them. Yeah. It's a big who cares for literally everyone else. Right. Right. Like I'm tired of watching. I don't even, I, I didn't even watch the last outdoor game. It's just a game now. Like I don't care. Yeah. I, I went highlights it, it, on that. Yeah. Anyway. So, so to me, it's a big who cares. Put the best players in. Like to me, like how do you have an all-star game? And I know he's not having an all-star year, but. I didn't have an all-star game without Sidney Crosby in it. Yeah. Like, how do you do that? Yeah. Like what? Yeah. You know, so, but I will say this. I don't think that putting the nine best players from each division 
in the all-star game, regardless of what team they play for is going to make the all-star game any better. It's not because you're just going to have a bunch of really good players who don't care as to a bunch of, as opposed to a bunch of other players who don't care. Yeah. Pretty good players who don't care. Yeah. It's, it's, they don't care. It's, it's a, it's, it's, it's a weekend where they go, they bring their families, they have parties, they get, they have a bit of a blowout. They have a good time. And the, the skills competition, in the all-star game is the last thing they care about. And they will be, never be made to care about it. There's yeah. no format you can put together that will make these guys care about the game. Unless you say, you know, a million bucks a player for who wins or something. Yeah. Um, they're not going to care. Yeah. Um, so it's not going to make the game any better because you're just going to have a bunch of superstars who don't give a shit rather than a bunch of whatevers who don't care. Right. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you got to start somewhere. So get the best players together. Like, yeah. like I, I can't imagine anybody more in Arizona is going to watch this game because Clayton Keller's playing in it. Yeah. Yeah. Or the, the you know, like. Especially if you're on such a, you know, to your point about Clayton Keller and Nick Suzuki, especially if if a lot of the more casual fans are so checked out, even the casual Montreal fans, even people that I've talked to, because my my podcast is a Habs podcast, even talk, people that I've talked to in the Montreal media have ter- told me on the down low, I'm checked out of this. I'm so sick of covering this team, you know, yeah, yeah, doing this hard, stuff. And, and so, and so if you're a casual fan and you know, you watch 65 out of the 82 games of the year, you know, you're that kind of fan, right? You're not like in a losing year like this, you're not watching even that many games and you're not going, Oh, Nick Suzuki's on the all-star team. I can't yeah, wait to go yeah. and uh, go. Wow, and that's it. our, that's our flag in the ground. There we go. <laughs> Salvage the season right there. <laughs> Nick One Suzuki was step. MVP of the All-Star game and yeah. he won a car. Great. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my my thought for how to how to fix it in terms of both uh getting getting the players on board and whatever is actually getting the best at the different skills yeah. to compete. Yeah. And so what you do is you have, let's say, the Atlantic Division. Right. Because yeah. we're talking there anyways. And you and you have the all the players in the Atlantic Division vote. Who do you want to represent you for the hardest slap shot competition? Right. Who do you want to represent you for the fastest skater competition? Who do you want? And so instead of like, well, here's a bunch of guys that we brought in because yeah. we can and we're going to just throw them into a skills competition. Instead of that, you've got a guy that just walks in and they're like, hey, you know what? This guy's slap shot is infuriating to block. Yeah, yeah. And it doesn't matter that he sucks. I don't know. Maybe it's Mackenzie Weger. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But who should not be an all-star by any definition of the term. I mean, he's having a good year. But you get into that situation then where there's a little bit more pride. You've been elected by your peers kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, there's, and we're actually going to see the fastest skater. Yeah. Because I kept on, of course, covering Montreal, I kept on thinking, like, in Paul Byron's prime, I wanted to see Paul Byron go up against Connor McDavid yeah. when Byron was a real burner. Now, he couldn't do it at with the puck on his stick like McDavid could, obviously. No, but in a sprint? But in a who sprint? Knows, right? Who knows? That's a question. Yeah. Dylan yeah. Larkin? Yeah. You know? And cut back the, cut back the events. <laughs> like, they always manage to make one of them, like, where you're sitting there going... I have no idea what's going on right now. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And this is stupid. <laughs> you know, like, like, 
Like I, I was sitting there one time and it's like, are we in day three of the uh, puck control competition yet? Like, <laughs> like it's just, it's just ridiculous. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah. yeah enough about all-star. That's moving it. off, moving off of the all-star game and back to some very serious, dark discussion. The NHL and NHLPA have agreed to alter their COVID protocols, which is something that we actually talked about, I think in our second podcast. Did we? I don't remember. Yeah, it well, just, it's because the, it the world juniors right was canceled. Like I, I leave that door and it just, it leaves me. <laughs> I don't even remember anything. <laughs> it, uh, well, it, we were talking about the world juniors getting canceled. Right. And we were talking about like, what do you, what do you do? And yeah. you know, anyways, whatever yeah. it's, uh, what do you think about it? Like, what do you think they've, they've agreed to alter their protocols. Obviously neither of us have access to the information and the data that they have access to. Yeah. And obviously COVID has burned its way through much of the league. At this point, you mentioned in your writing and also previously on this podcast about the New York Islanders specifically. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, now that things are changing. Well, I think I think the NHL, I think the reason why it sounds so drastic is the NHL has been pretty hypervigilant yeah. as an industry in, in trying to keep this. They'd be um, the most vigilant yeah, of any of the pro sports yeah, that and, I'm aware and, of. And of any industry, you know. So now they're adjusting the playbook. And I think it's fine, you know. I mean, I think we're at the point where you don't have to test asymptomatic people every day. Yeah. You know, like, um, and and I think what you have to remember too is the NHL and the NHLPA, for everything that you want to say or criticize about them, and I've got a lot to criticize both of them for, yep. they are relying on a team of epidemiologists and doctors who are experts in this field. Correct. They are following the science. They have followed the science since day one. And they haven't just listened to what the doctors have said and done whatever they wanted to do. They did what the doctors suggested they do from day one. And right. they've done a remarkable job, in my opinion, of of making their way through this pandemic. Remarkable job. Like, you know, I mean, like I said, I've got a lot of problems with Gary Bettman. How he's, how he's handled this pandemic and got the NHL through this, I think is an enormous part of his, the positive part of his legacy here. Yeah. Um, so let's get that out of the way. First of all, secondly, you're dealing with a group that is young, mm -hmm. healthy, mm -hmm. robust, and vaccinated. Yeah. Right. Except for one player. Yep. Everybody's vaccinated. Um, and, and so, you know, I mean, there's not much of a threat to the players, there's not a huge threat to the community. I think we're sort of all learning to adjust to this new variant and the the threats that it that it that it exposes us to and sort of the risk reward and I think the NHL's done a good job of that and 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 I think where they're going right now is probably the right way to go. Mm -hmm. And and I I have no doubt that if things go south they'll turn it right back. And they'll they'll talk to the talk to the experts and they'll figure out what to do. Yeah. But where I'm where I'd have a problem is is, is if I'm like Lou Lamorello, for instance, I believe the New York Islanders season has been killed, has been totally submarined yeah. by COVID, COVID protocols this year. Yeah. Like they it it screwed them. Yeah. And they're out of the playoffs and they ain't getting back in. Yeah. You know, Montreal had 24 guys in COVID protocol. Yeah. Toronto actually got lucky because all their guys got it over the Christmas break. 
So it didn't really affect them. And, you yeah. know, we've canceled all these. We've postponed all these games. We don't know who's playing one night to the next. You know, we're in a country where guys can play, but nobody can come and watch them play. Yeah. You know, so it's, I can see where the frustration is. And I'd be, I'd be pretty pissed if I were Lou Lamorello and the New York Islanders because they were looking for some kind of relief when this happened and they didn't get it. Yeah. You know, um, and now their their season's been scuttled. Yeah. Washington Capitals as well. Yeah. Yeah. We're looking for some cap relief. Right. I, I would say like, I, I'm of two minds of this. If- Tampa Bay Lightning had four, played with four defensemen last night. That's right. Four defensemen. It wasn't COVID related, but yeah. it was injury related, but they couldn't call anybody up from the taxi squad mm-hmm. because you can only, it's only for COVID reasons. Right. Right. So. Anyways, four defensemen. Victor Victor Hedman played 32 minutes and 37 <laughs> seconds last night. And That's was a, a lot of wear and tear on a big body. Yeah, but he's like, a cyborg. No, but I'm just saying like the like there's just physics to it, which is the impact on on a large body like that. Yeah, especially when a guy just like wipes him out with a cross check right in front of the net. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um going back, I'm of two minds of this. On one hand, if they're saying that they're looking at the infections, they're tracking them. Right, yep, yep. and if they see that the infections are not, for the most part, making them making their ways into uh, greater society, not reaching people that are more vulnerable, and are basically just we've tested this guy, he's positive, he's quarantined, he comes out, and then it's all good. Right. If they're seeing that the data is not suggesting that these this testing is really helping, then I agree with you. The only part that I have an issue with is this, is as a father of a young two-year-old that cannot be vaccinated, I'd be a little bit pissed in the sense that now my workplace, which is the NHL, not my workplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. you know, now my workplace is all of a sudden saying, is sending people out to work that are potentially infected that could be a carrier make me a carrier and spread that to my child but how does that how does that differ from retail or or any other job no, that, that, that they have to be at where you don't test people every single day right no it it, it absolutely doesn't i mean that like that's a different discussion about yeah. society and our values as a whole right and but I, i'm just and i think know. i think the other thing we have to mention too is that you know these teams and these players and everybody in these franchises they're all still having to adhere to the local provincial state national uh restrictions whatever they are you yeah. know so they have to they have to follow those still yeah. and and they are and have been doing that as well yeah. so but yeah you're right i mean yeah. Yeah, that's if the you, only place where I see an issue with it. But obviously, that what I'm the two things that I'm talking about is the difference between the individual's response to it being, yeah. "I'm a father and I don't want to, you know, put my kids at risk," and the collective response to it, which is our data suggests that the likelihood of putting, you know, at-risk people at risk is low. Right, and so that's always the. the the greatest debate in society yeah. is, you know, kind yeah. of the, yeah. the, the, if I want to go all nerdy Spock, Star Trek, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Right? Yeah. But I mean, you're, but, but I mean, like you have a, you have a child in daycare, right? Yeah. So the chances of that being reversed are yeah. a lot worse. Like, I think there's a bigger chance that she picks that it she up. picks it up at daycare and brings yeah. it home to you guys. Yeah. No, you're, you're, you're yeah. absolutely right. And yeah. we, we struggled. We didn't have her in daycare until just this month. Mm. because we struggled with that idea. Yeah. But yeah. anyways, it's, we can get into the yeah. vaccinations but, but think, and the whole thing about yeah. it. But yeah, but I, I think as far as the, the, the NHL is concerned, you know, obviously we're going to see a lot fewer positives. 
We're going to see a lot fewer canceled games and postponed games. Mm-hmm. You know, case counts are going to go down. Um, and I think it's, you know, the NHL will have a, a, a you know, a puncher's chance of getting an 82 game season in. And, yeah. and so if they can do it safely, which I, I'm confident they can because they're listening to the experts. Yeah. I'm, I don't have a problem with it. Yeah. Uh, final topic of the day. Yep. Most underrated player in the NHL these days. Who do you got? <clears throat> I'm going to go with Ivan Barbashev of the St. Louis Blues. I know he's benefited p- from playing with like Tarasenko and guys, and he's also actually been playing lately with um, with uh, Braden Shen and Ryan O'Reilly. Yep. So he's doing okay, but he but he's like a point a game guy. Yeah. He's like got 34 points, got 15 goals. He hits like he leads the team in hits. He's not. They're not a very physical team. I think. He's got like 63 hits and he leads the team. So they're not super physical, but mm-hmm. he does all those things. And he just like Ivan Barbashev, like, <laughs> holy cow. I, I watched him play the other night and he had two goals. He was one of the best players on the ice. Yeah. So I, I, I just look at a guy like that and it's like, wow, that guy is super underrated. Yeah. Um, I've got Jason Robertson of okay. the Dallas Stars. Yeah. Yep. Here, here's what I did. I, I went real, real nerdy as I know you love. Hmm. I uh, I looked for points per sixty minutes of play. Yeah, and I just and I started going down the list, and you know, anyways, this is reverse engineering it. But first on the list, obviously Nikita Kucherov, Nazem Kadri's having himself a year, Max Pacioretty, Brad Marchand. None of those guys is underrated though. None. No, of no. Them. Yeah, Jonathan Uberdo. Yeah, Nathan McKinnon, Connor McDavid, Brian Russ, Timo Meyer, then Jason Robertson. He's ahead of Krill Kaprasov. He's ahead of Jordan Cairo. He's ahead of Miko Rantanen. And then, you know, on top of that, going even nerdier with the stats, he's got a 61% Corsi 4 percentage. So he's controlling possession. More, Way more shot attempts yeah. are happening while he's on the ice for his team than against his team. Right. And, uh, and so, I, you know, of course, when you're trying to watch the whole NHL, you see these guys in passing. And I, and I, so I started watching a little bit more clips of him and then started to read more about him. Went on an eight-game point streak this year. Yeah. And I, I haven't heard a single person mention his name outside yeah. of Dallas media. Yeah, well, he was he was a finalist for the Calder Trophy last year, wasn't he? He might was have been. Yeah, I think he was. He might have been, but... But, but you know. yeah, yeah. No, and, and you know what? And he's... And I mean, granted, he's playing with Joe Pavelski, who's having a great year, too, again. Yeah. yeah. Um, Defying the but, age. But, I, I mean, I've talked to... I've talked to people in the Dallas organization. And the reason why he's playing with Pavelski is because Pavelski wants to play with him. <laughs> Joe Pavelski wants to play with that guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So they're obviously bringing out the best in each other. Yeah. And, and he's earned that he's earned the right to, to put himself in on that line and, and have that kind of a role. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. He was a, he was a second round draft pick as, as well. He yep. was never projected to, be this right he's projected to be good right fine yeah i mean if you read the draft i wonder how his brother's gonna turn out in toronto (laughs) nick robertson we keep keep hearing how great he is and then we keep and then he doesn't doesn't do it but it's but injuries have have plagued him a lot in toronto as well i mean it's a tough lineup (laughs) you know you're you're you you gotta be at a top six role to 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 be able to show what you can do and contribute that way and yeah 
have to break into that top six. Yeah, no a kidding. A little bit difficult. Pretty, pretty set. Although that being said, I mean, when, with the departure of Zach Hyman in the offseason, there's definitely a little bit more, a little bit more wiggle room. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What do you think? You want to get out of here? Wondering if there's anything else we need to talk about. Oh, let's see here. We could do more on the all-star game if you like. No, no, no. no. Well, that was great. Thanks so much for sticking around throughout this whole podcast. Well, that's if you did. Although if you're watching this, never mind. Check us out. YouTube, subscribe, comment, like notification bell. I don't know what, whatever people say, Apple podcasts, leave reviews. We got a review on Castbox, which is a very not well-known podcast player, but it's actually my personal podcast player. And I really appreciate that. And uh, of course, check out our mybookie.com promo code hockey unfiltered, all one word and check out kencampbell.substack.com for more writing, more on what we've talked about here. And of course, more on what we didn't talk about here. And we'll talk to you next week.